Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. We'll start off this week with a, a simple question. And that question is, if you are a Christian, should you submit to God? The answer is yes, right? Okay, now, how many people here know that they don't submit to God all the time? In every situation. It can be hard sometimes. We go in with the best of intentions. We don't try to, to, to disobey or to not submit to God. But it's hard. And in James chapter 4, he offers two, James offers two examples of submission to God. As we've seen over these last few weeks, it's about making sure we realize how we speak and act are, are big parts of it. How we speak and act towards God and how we speak and act towards others. James starts on the way we speak and act towards others. Let's recap from what James was saying last week at the beginning of chapter 4 where he says, those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your own pleasures. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not entirely convinced that I would want to be part of this church that James is writing to. They don't seem to like each other very much. He's directly talking to them when he's saying this stuff. Fighting and quarrels battling desires within, killing and coveting, self-centered prayer. James says that you're not asking with the right motives. And I don't think they were literally killing each other. I think James is exaggerating to make a point that they may well have been sort of character assassinating people, cutting people off. But it's pretty clear that this is not a a happy church. They're not a happy group of people because the church is clearly divided. And the thing is, a divided church makes very little or any impact on the community that it's called to serve. If we ever find ourselves fighting with one another, that should be a massive red flag. How have we toddled off in the wrong direction? Why are we fighting with each other? 
Something's gone really wrong. We know that stuff. Now let's take a, a closer look at some of the, the issues that James is highlighting. Where we definitely have trouble submitting to God. And it's all to do with how we speak and act. I'm going to jump to verse 13. James introduces us to a group of people. And these are verses that give super planners, people who like to plan every single detail. This gives them the shivers, these verses. If you've got more of a, a manana approach, this might appeal to you. But if you're a super planner, it might give you shivers. In James's time, successful businessmen were those who went from city to city, selling their, their products, and then moving on. The key to a good, profitable business was the ability to be flexible and to change whatever it was you were selling. What was needed at a particular time, you could be a success if you were adaptable, able to reach whatever was in demand in each town that you went to. Yet we find these men here who are saying, let's go to this or, or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and, and make lots of money. And remember, these are people that James is talking to in this church. These are, these are the, the, the Jesus followers that he's talking to. They've made that confession that Jesus is the Lord of their life, yet they've forgotten a few things. And if they were here today, when I asked that question about submitting to God, they would have nodded their heads. The problem is that they're actually speaking and acting in ways as if God doesn't exist or doesn't even matter to them. Listen again. Today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Do you hear what they're saying? These massive grand plans. But where's God? God doesn't get mentioned. In one breath they've planned the time, the place, the duration, the activities, the things that they're going to sell. And how their, how their trip is going to go. It's going to be a massive success. In one breath, visions of good travels, profitable exchanges, quality products. A whole year's events proposed and at, no, at not one time is God mentioned. They're in the church. They're singing praises to God each week. For all intents and purposes, the planning of their business trips is no different to someone who's never heard of Jesus. They're planning as if they've never even heard of Jesus. It's so easy to see ourselves in these men. See, we have this, this competition that goes on that James speaks about. This competition of, of the worldly and the, the heavenly. 
that, that the world is competing for us. It says here, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So easy to let plans form in our minds and roll off our tongues. And before we know it, we've organized our entire future without stopping to, to ask God what he wishes of us. Is this the right thing for me? The thing is, there's so many things that fight for our time and our focus. So easy to fall into that mindset. Where we might say, well, God can have, have my Sunday, and, I, and I'll focus completely on God on the Sunday, but for the other days in the week, I'm not going to bother. They're mine. And it's easy to think that we can completely determine our futures, that we're masters of our own destiny. Plenty of books on that. Lost count of the amount of books when you go into a bookshop and there's an entire wall filled with self-help books, how to make you more successful, to become the master of your own destiny. But maybe we need to stop and realize that there are limitations. We all have limitations. In verse 14, you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. There was a great documentary that I watched about John F. Kennedy. And the striking thing about this documentary is that they had footage of JFK speaking to a group of people that had gathered. And it was a breakfast meeting. And JFK was talking to them about the future of America and how utopian it was sounding, that there would be a, 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 it would be a safe place, a wonderful safe place. However, by lunchtime on that very day in 1963, JFK will forever be immortalized as the fourth sitting American president to be assassinated. What is life, James asks. Here was JFK in the morning speaking about what the future would look like, a safe place. Yet just a few hours later, no longer with us. We're so vulnerable. We don't always know the future. Don't think anyone would have predicted what has happened over the last 16 months. But we're vulnerable not just to death, but so many things. Vulnerable to an education system that one day might deem you not smart enough. And therefore, determining your future. The whims of an employer who could put you out of work at any time. Vulnerable to an economy where hard-earned money can be disappear in an instant, vulnerable to sicknesses, disease, viruses. And that sounds morbid, but that's the reality. We're vulnerable. 
In the Old Testament, we have a book of Job. Now, there was a man who knew limitations of human life. But at no point does he fail in submission to God. Job is a wonderful example of someone who is willing to rely on God. If you haven't read the book of Job, it's a tough read, but a wonderful reminder to us of what it is to submit to God. And whether we like it or not, we do have limitations. We don't like to admit that, but we do. Each of us have limitations. How can you plan for a year down the road with absolute certainty when we can't even be sure what is going to happen later on this afternoon? See, plans are made with specific knowledge in mind. In planning for the future, there, there is always obstacles. And our knowledge of the future severely limits our certainty with what could be done in a year's time. But James makes the situation very simple. We need to plan with eternal consequences in our mind. That everything that we do should be building us up for our eternal life. Let's read Matthew 16, verse 24 and to 26. Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit, forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? Through these words, Jesus is saying, look, look carefully at your goals in life. Look at how you go about achieving them. Look who is getting the credit. And am I among them? Your Lord and Savior. Can have all sorts of plans and then take all the credit for yourself. We might start to credit our cleverness. We were really clever when we planned that and it worked out perfect. Or we might have a good business sense and we do manage to make quite a decent profit. We might say it was a, it was a stroke of luck or a, a fortunate gamble, but it worked out. You know, as a project manager, you might admire your, your ability to perceive problems and then come up with solutions. It's incredibly human to be like this. It's important that we, we remember that, that we are human beings. This is a struggle. James wouldn't be writing this if it wasn't a tough thing. But as Jesus reminds us, it's very dangerous if our souls are forfeited in the process. So how do we avoid that attitude? That we must remember who is in charge. Who is on top. James says in verse 5, 
that we have a God who is jealous for the spirit that dwells within us. We have a jealous God who might be thinking, what? We have a jealous God who is jealous for the spirit that dwells within us. Why? Because he put it there. He wants us to understand. We have a powerful creator God who grants us grace when we stumble, but always asks for us to recognize that the spirit that dwells within us is from him. That we are willing to submit to God. Listen to these words again from James, starting at verse 7. And we'll go to verse 10. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Flip things round. If we feel we are moving off in a worldly direction and far away from God, might we look to mourn that, that we might turn our mourning into dancing as we read in another scripture. No matter how big or important we think we are, or however big or important we think our contribution in life is, God is ultimately in charge. God is on top. And when it comes to predicting the future, we must humble ourselves. And in the words of James in verse 15, where he says, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wishes, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wishes. James isn't saying that, that we go around life and every single time we're about to do something that we have to pray and say if it's in the Lord's will. If we're going to the, the shops to get bread, we don't say if it's in the Lord's will, I'll, I'll get some bread. That, or if I'm putting on my shoes, if it's in the Lord's will. I'm going to go into the shower if it's the Lord's will. It's not about trivializing stuff. We'd end up spending our whole day faffing around. But the context is in making plans for the future. If it's in the Lord's will. We see Paul doing it all the time in his letters. When he sends these letters to the churches that he's fathered. If we look at 1 Corinthians 4. He says, some of you have become arrogant. As if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. If the Lord is willing. Paul knew that there were things, obstacles in his way. That it wasn't as simple as saying, I'm coming back to Corinth. There were many things that were in the way of that. But if it was the Lord's will, he would join them once again in Corinth. It's not a magical formula 
for every little decision that we make. But it's an attitude to life that says, I will live in submission to my Creator if the Lord wills it. It's the biblical way of planning for the future. And it begins with submission to the one who is on top. Because submission places us into that right relationship with God. Submission enables us to have a clearer understanding about the ways of God. We don't try and do everything in our own strength. We understand more of God's ways and look to adopt them. It also helps us to understand what upsets God. You know, often when I'm praying, I pray that, that prayer of, will you break my heart for the things that break yours? That would have that deeper understanding and compassion for the world in the same way that God does. But it's an issue of, of faith and, and obedience and being in that right relationship with him. And again, it comes back to the person and work of our Lord Jesus. When we're in his hands, nothing can separate us from the love of God, not even the future. A future with Jesus is a future which is bright and doesn't end here on earth. We might struggle at the moment as citizens of earth, but with Jesus we are able to endure it because we will always be citizens of heaven too. Our future is one where we can celebrate as sinners who have been set free from the slavery of sin. We can plan biblically for the future only when we have submitted to the author of that future. We know that we're supposed to. We know that it's important. So what is it that stops us from doing it? Well, the thing is, there's a quote. A quote that says, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. If you go about life and, and you are unbreakable, the devil will just make you busy. Take your mind away from God. Our busyness is often our biggest hindrance. Where we're keeping ourselves busy and we don't stop. We don't think, we don't pray, we don't ask, what is it that God wants? And in the end, it means that we might look like we're obeying God, we're doing all this busy stuff, but we're not actually stopping and asking God, is this the right direction? So as a church community here in Stonelaw, and as individuals, Let's pause today. Let's stop. Submit ourselves to God again. And be a church community that is constantly praying that we might be in sync with God's will. That we live that lifestyle of if the Lord wills it. It's time for us all to stop and remember that it is God that is on top. Hold to these words 
from verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Let us pray. Father, we are sorry for those times where we rush ahead, thinking that we know everything with certainty about the future, failing to acknowledge you, failing to consult you. We're thankful that through our Lord Jesus, we are forgiven, that we are set free. So, Father, would you take away any feelings of guilt that we might have for those times where we, where we haven't consulted you, where we've tried to do everything in our own strength, for those times where we've failed to recognize you as the one that is ultimately in charge. We thank you that we are dual citizens, that while we dwell here on earth, our future is in heaven with you. Help us by your Spirit to experience more of your kingdom in the here and now. Just a small taste of what our future looks like. So Father, once again we apologize. But we thank you through our Lord Jesus you forgive us. May your Spirit work in our hearts and our minds this morning. that we might become better followers rather than constantly wanting to be the leader. All this we ask in the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen.